We learned at the beginning of this parak a machlekas between Bishama and Bishilel regarding an Arusa, a woman who has received Kiddushin from somebody, whether she is allowed to sell her Nisimaloig, the property which belongs to her and her husband once they are married, will have rights to the pay race of that field. And we learned that according to Bishamai, she is allowed to sell that, but according to Bishilel, she is not allowed to. Since she is awaiting marriage with this man, although he does not yet have the rights to the produce of her field, since the marriage has somewhat begun, it would be considered to be depriving him of his rights to the pay rice, and therefore, ideally, she is not allowed to sell that field. Nevertheless, says the Mishnah Shemeris Yovam, a woman who is awaiting Yibam Muchalitza, so that means that her husband died without children, so there is a mitzvah on the husband's brother to marry her. So if whilst she is a Shemeris Yovam and she has not yet received Yibam Muchalitza, Shenoflon Chosim, property falls to her. For example, she inherits a field. In this case, Moni Bishamai Vesilel, Bishamai Vesilel agrees, Shemeris Venesenes Vekayom that she is even ideally allowed to sell it or give it away, and that gift would be valid. And the reason for the difference is because a woman who has received Kiddushin from a man, that is essentially the first stage of marriage. She is awaiting to be married. It's true that he can divorce her, but it's not as if there are two options in front of her, either to get divorced or to get fully married. Somebody who has received Kiddushin, that is the first stage which leads on to the next stage of Nisuin, of fully getting married. Which means that all of her property is already considered to be somewhat designated designated to her husband, such that selling the field would be depriving him of his pay race. On the other hand, a Shemaris Yovam, either she'll do Yibam or she'll do Chalitza. But she is less connected to the Yovam, and in fact this is apparent from the punishments if she has relations with another man. A woman who has received Kedushin and then goes and has relations with another man, the punishment for that is the death penalty. So in terms of that, we see that she's considered to be his full wife to some extent. On the other hand, a Shemeris Yovam who has relations with another man, although it's forbidden, she does not have such a punishment. And so we can see that she is less connected, less designated for the Yovam, and therefore she is allowed to sell her property. Now what happens if Mesa a Shemeris Yovam dies, and she has property, what should they do with her kasuba, the money which was promised to her in her kasuba? And this also is including the Nichsetzin Barzel, which is genuinely written inside of the kasuba. That would include the Nadunya, the dowry, as we learned about earlier on in the Masechta, and other property which fundamentally belongs to him, to her husband. So what should they do with this property? Who inherits it? And with the property which comes in and out of the marriage with her. That's referring to Nichse Maloig, where the property itself is considered to be the woman's, and the husband can benefit from the pay raise, but when she is divorced or widowed, she would take the actual property back, regardless of how much it's worth. So we see that she actually takes the property itself back with her, because the property itself is considered to be hers. So we have three things, and the question is, who inherits them? In general, if a woman dies, her husband inherits her. But this woman, since she's a Shemeris Yovam, her husband has died already. So in general, a woman who has no husband is inherited by her family. But in this case, there's a Yovam, and he hadn't yet performed Yibum. However, there was a Zika between the Yovam and the Shemeris Yovam. A Zika is a weak marital connection between a Yovam and a Shemeris Yovam. And although it's certainly not as strong as a regular marriage, the Torah does recognize a certain connection, very similar to marriage, just on a 
weaker level between the Yovam and the Shemeres Yovam. And therefore there is room to say that when she dies, the Yovam should inherit her property, because he is currently in place of the husband to some extent. When he performs Yibum, so that's really continuing the husband's marriage, then he really is in, in place of the husband. But even before then, if he does end up performing Yibum in a regular case, so it would emerge that the Zika was sort of the beginning of that process of marriage, that process of Yibum. And therefore even before he performed Yibum, and even if it's now impossible to perform Yibum, already from the moment that there was a Zika between the Yovam and the Shemeres Yovam, we do view him to some extent as being in place of her husband. So it's Shammai and Shammai say, The inheritors of the husband, and that's referring to the Yovam, should split the property with the inheritors of her father. And the truth is, if her father's still alive, then he would, in, he would be that person. If he's dead, then it will be those who inherit him. Now, is Shammai is not talking about all types of property. He is talking specifically about Nechsei Meloig. When it comes to the Kusuba and the Nechsei Tzun Barzel, Shammai agree with what Basilel is about to say. But regarding Nechsei Meloig, Shammai say that they both have equal claims to the property. The Yovam takes half because he is somewhat in place of the husband and her family, her father or her father's inheritors. They would take half since it is considered to be her property and she has not got a full husband. On the other hand, Basilel, I mean Basilel saying Chosim, when it comes to the Nechsei Tzun Barzel, whoever has had up until now a greater hold and a sort of more rights to the property, so they would inherit it. And Basilel is very vague, and there is a wide discussion what exactly Basilel will mean. We are going to understand that Basilel is saying that the Yovom will inherit all of the Nechsei Tzayn Barzel, since the Nechsei Barzel are considered to be the husbands, and the Yovom is inheriting the husband, and in place of him, so he would inherit all of the Nechsei Barzel, as well as the Kusuba B'chizkas Yoshea Ba'al. The Kusuba would also be under the hold of the inheritors of the husband, again that's referring to the Yovom, because the Kusuba does belong to the husband until she is divorced or widowed, and in this case she died first, that did not happen. So, so far Beishil and Beishamai are in agreement, however regarding the Nechsei Meloig, whereas Beishamai said that they should be split when, according to Beishila, the property which comes in and out of the marriage with her, referring to the Av, they would be under the hold of the inheritors of her father or her father herself, since that is considered to be fundamentally her property, and therefore her family will inherit all of it. Mr. Zion, what about property which the man owned fully? It wasn't something which his wife brought into the marriage. The Yovam's brother, when he died, he left behind money, cash. Now we learned early on in the Masechta that one of the conditions of the Kasuba is something known as Achrais Nechosim. Achrais Nechosim is when somebody owes somebody else money, and because of that, the person who is owed money has a hold on the property of the man who owes the money. And the law is that when a woman is owed the kasuba, as long as she's married to her husband, there's a chais nechosim on all of his property. And that prevents him from selling his property without her permission. Now, according to the first opinion in our Mishnah, who is Rimeir, this applies to all of a man's property. If this man left behind money, if his brother left behind money, land must be bought with that money, and the Yovim will have the rights only to the payrais of that field. The whole idea of Achais Nechosim is that since it's not in cash form, it is something which is there, and the land has intrinsic value, which is not just lost easily, and it can't be taken away, and that is in order to protect her kasuba, and therefore even the money which this man inherits from his dead brother, land must be bought with that money, and there will be a chrais and chosim attached to that land, such that he will not be able to sell it, 
And so he doesn't have full rights to this property, he can only have the payrace of the land. And this is all after he has performed Yibum. Before he's performed Yibum, he does not have any rights even to the payrace. On a similar note, if the brother left behind Peris Hatalushim and Akarka, produce which is detached from the ground, again, even things like that need to be turned into ground. Yilokach Bohen Karka, land needs to be bought with them, and if he performs Yibum, then he'll be able to eat Peris of that field. But he cannot just spend that money or sell the fruit for whatever he wants, because even though he's performed Yibum and he therefore inherits his brother, there's a Chais Nechosim on all of the property. Now, all the more time, Chubayim Bakarka, Produce which is attached to the ground still. Um, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir said, We evaluate the land, how much it is worth together with the pay race, and how much it's worth without the pay race. And the leftover, meaning the difference, that is the value of the pay race themselves. You must buy land with those pay race, with that value, and he'll be able to eat the pay race of that land which was bought. So according to Meir, whatever the Yotham inherits from his brother, he does not have full rights to, since there's a chreis nechosim for the kasuba on all, on all of the possessions. However, produce which is, still, which is still attached to the ground, and although the Mishnah reads shaloi, the Gemara explains that it should really say shaloi, that belongs to her, meaning there's a chreis nechosim on that, since it is attached to the ground. So just like there's a chreis nechosim on the land, so two things which grow from the land have the status of the land itself. So there's a chreis nechosim on the things which are growing from the land as well. But hatloshim akarka, produce which is already detached from the ground, as well as money and any other non-land items, kola kledem Anybody who gets there first, he gains them. Kodam who, if the Yovim himself got there first and made an acquisition on that produce or that money, Zoha, then he acquires them for himself and he can do what he likes with it. Kodmahi. But if she got there first, and that means that whilst her husband was still alive, she took those payrays, perhaps with the permission of her husband. So in that case, it would belong to her, and Yilokachboy and Karkabuhuachal payrays. Land would need to be bought with that, and he would eat the payrays. Because once again, there would be a chais nechosim on that property. Now, Knossa Harihikishtalacholdavar. Once a Yovam brings his Yovama into his house, once he marries her and performs Yibum, then she is considered to be like his regular wife for everything. For all matters. For example, if he wants to divorce her, he'll need to give her a get. She no longer requires chalitza, chalitza will no longer help. She'll require a get. Although except for the fact she takes that all of the rights which her kasuba brings and all of the achrais nechosim only applies to the property which the Yovam inherited from her original husband. However, his own property, there is no achrais nechosim attached to that and therefore he would be able to sell his property and she does not have a hold on his own property which he did not inherit from her husband. The Mishnah explains this concept of achrais nechosim. Once he has married her and performed Yibum, cannot tell her his kasuba placed on the table. Take your kasuba money, that's yours, because I want to sell my property already, and I don't want you to have a hold on the property because of that. So take your kasuba so that I can sell it, so that I can sell my other property. Says Mishnah, he is not able to do that. Rather, all of his property. There is a hold on it for her kasuba. Similarly, any man who marries a woman, not through Yibum, but there's a kasuba in every marriage, he cannot tell his wife, your kasuba is placed on the table, take it so that I can 
sell my other property, rather all of his property, there is a hold on it for the sake of her kasuba. Now this does not mean that a man who is married is not able to sell any property. However, it means that if he sells it and then divorces his wife or dies, then she'll be able to collect her kasuba from land even once it's been sold. And therefore he can sell the land, just that people will be more cautious when buying it because of the risk that this woman will get divorced or widowed and she'll come to take their property. Alright, so this applies throughout the whole marriage. Gersha, once he divorces her, then Eina el She only has her kasuba itself. She takes, let's say, 200 zuz if that's her kasuba. And once she's taken that, so she no longer has a hold on the rest of his property. And from that moment onwards, he would be able to sell the property which he has remaining. Now what happens if after divorcing this Yavama who he married, Hechazira, he then remarries her, Hari Khalanoshim, she's like all other women who were in a regular marriage and then got divorced and then remarried. That the general understanding in such a situation is that she only has the rights to her original kasuba. When a man marries a woman, so he writes the kasuba himself and then divorces her and then remarries her. And let's say we're talking about a situation where she didn't yet take her kasuba. When he remarries her, we don't assume that the understanding is that there'll be a new kasuba for the new marriage. Rather, the understood agreement, unless spoken out otherwise, is that he's remarrying her, relying on the original kasuba, that that should continue into this remarriage. So the same applies to this Yavama, even though he was not the one who originally wrote the kasuba, it was his brother who died. Nevertheless, once he, she became his full wife, if he divorces her and then remarries her, the understanding is that her original kasuba will remain. And that also means that when it comes to the Yavam, there will be a chayis nechosim still only on the property which he inherited from his brother. Even when he comes to remarry her, there will be no chayis nechosim on the property which was always his and which he did not inherit from his brother who died. Since the fact that a husband has the rights to the peris of his wife's nechsim aloyig, that is a right awarded to the husband, he is able to forgo on that right. However, since it's considered to be a monetary right, once he is fully married to her, he would need to do a proper act of acquisition in order to remove it from his monetary domain. He's considered to be the owner, and we consider it to be like a partnership between his wife and him. So in order to give back that half which he has to his wife, just like whenever you sell something, or you give something away to a particular person, so an action which shows that change of ownership is necessary. So too in that case. However, after he has performed Kiddushin on her before the stage of Nisuin, so he hasn't yet got the rights to her pay race. However, they are sort of designated towards him that he will get them once they are fully married. So at that point, he is able to forego on that right even without performing such an action. He could just say to his wife, I'm giving over this right and that would be enough. Sarkozy is the one who writes down for his wife, the same would apply if he says it. Which literally means I have no judgment or words regarding your property, and that means that I have no claim or right to your property. And I cannot have the pay rice. This particular wording is not sufficient, and he would still be able to eat the pay rice of her field while she is alive, because he is speaking about the property itself. He anyway hasn't got right to the property, he's only got right to the pay rice, and he didn't speak about the pay rice, and therefore he would still have the rights to the pay rice. 
Yusa, and if she dies, then Yosha, she does inherit her, and he takes the actual field. Because we understand from his statement that he only relinquished his rights to her property as long as she is alive. But not that he wouldn't inherit her. Alright, so in Cain, if so, what did he accomplish by writing to her that I have no claim over your property? What did he intend to do? What, he said nothing? Says the Mishnah, the result of what he said is that if she goes ahead and sells or gives away her property, which in general she is not allowed to do because he would have the rights to the payrise, and if she does, then the husband can take back the property because she has no right to sell it. In this case, because of what he said, although ideally she still is not allowed to sell it, if she did, then Kayom, the sale is valid, and he would lose his rights to the payrise. Part 2. What happens if Kosovo, he wrote to her, I have no claim or rights to your property. So now he is not able to eat the payrise of that field or any of her fields whilst she is alive. However, if she dies, Yosha, he would inherit her because we understand that his statement was only to forego on his rights as long as she is still alive. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, in such a case, she would always still be able to eat the pay rice of the pay rice. Which the Gemara explains to mean that if she sells her property and with that money buys new land, according to Yehuda, he would be able to eat the pay rice of that new land. And by extension, since he would have the right to the pay rice of that new land, she would be forbidden to then sell that new land. Whereas according to the Tanakama, that he never has rights to the pay rice, she would be able to continue sell- selling that land. But according to Yehuda, she would not be able to sell that second piece of land since he has the right to its pay rice. Ad Unless he writes to her that that I have no claim to your property or to its pay rice or to the pay rice of its pay rice forever. Alright, part three, Kosovo, if he wrote to her, I have no claim to your property, or to its pay rise, or the pay rise of the pay rise, both during your lifetime and after you die. So in this case, he's included everything. He's not able to eat the pay rise during her lifetime, then they say, and if she dies, he would not inherit her. However, Gamliel says, even in this case, if she dies, he would inherit her, because he made a condition which goes against what the Torah says. The Kuntum Shimon Gamliel, although this is certainly not agreed upon, but the Kuntum Shimon Gamliel, the fact that a husband inherits his wife is Midoiraisa. So says the Shimon Gamliel, we have a rule that anybody who makes a condition which goes against what the Torah says, the condition is invalid, and therefore, though during the lifetime of his wife he would not be able to benefit from the property at all, once she dies, he would inherit inherit that property.